welcome to the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where you can learn to avoid the downs and savor the ups. Here, 40-year veteran attorney Paul Samico will entertain you and help you understand the law in areas we might all face. Brushes with the police? Oh boy. Family disputes? Oh no. An injury and accident situations? Ouch. And now, here's Paul. Welcome to the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where I want everyone always listening to this to take what I'm going to say right now and pass it on to everyone you know. When you are dealing with the law, avoid the downs and savor the ups. Today, I think I have some real interesting uh, cases to share with you about people who have been injured in automobile accidents, automobile collisions, are the people who were driving the car that ostensibly caused the collision, are they really responsible? And if so, what is the law that supports that responsibility? So let's get right to it. Let's get right to it. I have a case that is out of Wisconsin that I want to share Brunig versus Jordan. Brunig versus Jordan. In this particular case, uh, Brunig is suing Jordan. Brunig says that uh, he suffered significant significant automobile, significant personal injuries uh, when he was struck by a car being driven by Jordan. Now, Jordan had a sudden mental aberration or delusion uh, just prior to the collision affecting her ability to consciously operate the car, or so she claims. Are you sitting down? Okay, as a personal injury lawyer for 40 years, I've heard this kind of thing before, but this is one that really is testing my, <laughs> testing my knowledge as to, you know, well, Okay, I'm going to tell you what Jordan said. You, you, you decide for yourself. Jordan said that she believed God took control of her car, and when she saw a truck coming, she stepped on the gas to become airborne because she knew she could fly because Batman flies. Okay, then. So, um, Miss Jordan... Um, Are you responsible for causing the injuries to uh, Mr. Brunig? Well, all of you out there, you may have your opinions, but I'm going to tell you what happened when we come back. The next case is out of California. This is a case involving the Hammontree family, Mr. and Mrs. Hammontree, who own a bicycle shop. And on one particular day, being in their store, minding their own business, maybe waiting on a customer or two, doing the books, who knows what they're doing. But all of a sudden, they get a visitor to their store. But the visitor, Miss Jenner, eh, she didn't exactly walk into the store the way that most people do. Bicycle store, you know, once in a while you get somebody who actually rides their bike into the store. Well, Miss Jenner was driving her car and she drove into the store. So, you know, Mr. Hammontree is thinking to himself, now that's a little unusual. She must really want one of our bikes. And not so much fun. Not so funny. Jenner drives her bike into the bike shop 
and she actually strikes Mrs. Hammontree with the car. Now, in this case, the claim is that uh, she claims, Jenner claims, that she became unconscious during an epileptic seizure, and that's why she lost control of the car. She admits that she has a medical history of epilepsy. In fact, 19 years before this collision, she says was her first incidence of that, her first seizure, and so she went to a neurologist who put her on medication to control the condition. The evidence shows that she did take the medication prior to getting into the car and driving before the accident, and that in this particular situation, she had no warning that she was about to have a seizure. So get this, this woman Jenner who had this seizure is really complying with all the things that she needs to comply with. The California Department of Motor Vehicles put restrictions on her driver's license. The restrictions were that she had to visit this doctor or another neurologist every six months to confirm that she is doing well on the medication and that it can control the potential of having seizures so that she wouldn't have them. And the Department of Motor Vehicles says that your doctor has to send us a little note saying that you're okay. And if the doctor doesn't do it, you got to get it and you got to send it to us. So for year after year after year, every six months, Miss Jenner is complying with the Department of Motor Vehicles restrictions and conditions on her continuing to be able to drive. The question here becomes is, is she responsible? Is she responsible for the damage to the bike shop and to the damage or the physical injuries for Miss Hammontree? This is a tough case. I feel kind of bad for everybody involved here. I'm going to tell you what happened after I come back from the break. Next, we have a case which is very interesting. Uh, we in the law use the expression, he said, she said, to you know, look at facts and see if we have a strong enough case to go forward with. As a lawyer, if I've got an individual presenting to me, sharing that uh, they think they had the green light and the other one ran the red light, I'm going to be looking for independent proof because that's not going to be enough. My, my word versus your word. He said, she said. Got to have proof. In most places, you need 51% of the evidence, and uh, a judge could certainly find that both parties are credible and just throw up his or her hands and say nobody wins because they didn't have 51% of the evidence. All right, so here we have, uh, let me let me uh, give you the scenario of, of where everybody was. This is a case of passenger versus driver. The car flips over. So the driver, of course, is in the driver's seat, and next to him in the front passenger seat is the driver's wife. Behind the driver in the rear seat is the passenger who got hurt, the plaintiff. And next to the plaintiff in the back seat is the plaintiff's sister. So here's what happened. They're driving along, and the driver testifies that he felt sick and then he fainted. The passenger, the one behind him, says, yes, I heard him say that he's feeling sick, but he continued to drive. The driver's wife says that she also heard her husband say, I'm feeling sick, and she says that then she saw him just nod out, fainted. So 
This is a tough question. He said, she said. Is the driver responsible for the injuries that his passenger, the plaintiff sitting behind him, suffered because he fainted? Well, again, I'm going to share the answer to this when I come back from the break. Thought you were going to the break, didn't you? I had to share this with you. This this just gave me lots of chuckles. So there's this woman, a stripper, at a, uh, a bar, right? And she's convicted of a drug possession. So instead of putting her in jail, the judge puts on an ankle monitor so that uh, her her whereabouts can be uh, tracked. A couple days after the sentencing with the ankle monitor uh, requirement and she's wearing it, she comes back and she has a motion for the court. The motion is to please make an exception while I'm doing my dancing routines at the club because it's getting in the way. It's ruining the vibe. Judge considers this and quickly says, you know what? She says, I think you should... uh, Put on some bangles and sparkle things and whatever else you can uh, adorn to the uh, the ankle bracelet there, the ankle monitor, to match your outfit. Case closed, motion denied. Okay, here's the break. Okay, it's break time here on the merry-go-round. We want to give you value. So, do you need an attorney for an injury case or a criminal matter or something involving family law? Mr. Samico has the answer for you. Go to our podcast website, www.thelegalmerrygoround.com. Again, that's thelegalmerrygoround.com and click on the referrals tab. Then, either fill out the form or call the telephone number where you can leave a detailed message that Mr. Samico will pick up, and you'll get a response with a referral to an excellent attorney in your area within eight business hours. And the referral is free, no charge to you for this referral. So again, if you're looking for a lawyer that meets the highest standards, Paul is going to hook you up. And every attorney he refers to meets the highest standards, and Paul has checked them out for you. If you like what you're hearing from him during these shows, you know he's going to take care of you. So go to thelegalmerrygoround.com. And now, back to the show. So we're back. I hope that you enjoyed the break music. I hope you understand the concept of the Samaco Club that we're talking about during the break and that you consider going. You can go to the website and take a look around and see what benefits you have. The website is samacoclub.com. S-A-M-A-K-O-W-C-L-U-B.com. Samacoclub, all one word, dot com. I encourage you to join. I want to share now what happened to the individuals in these three cases that I told you about. So the first one was Brunig versus Jordan. This is where 
Miss Jordan said that um, God took control of her car. And when she saw the truck coming, she stepped on the gas because she wanted to fly. And she knew she could fly. Well, of course. I mean, Batman flies, doesn't he? And you know what? Does Batman fly? Now that I'm thinking about it, Superman flies. And Spider-Man kind of flies around on the uh, the vines or whatever you call those things, you know, in the spider web. But does Batman fly? Huh. Anyway, all right. So she got it wrong twice. Well, of course, as you can imagine, um, the jury found um, that Jordan was responsible. Um, she says that uh, she had uh, no knowledge that this was going to happen, but the evidence was absolutely a little bit different. They decided that she did have knowledge and forewarning of the mental delusions that she was having at the time. Um, court said that a sudden mental incapacity equivalent in its effect to physical causes such as a sudden heart attack or an epileptic seizure or a stroke or fainting should be treated alike and not uh, something that we might show be akin to insanity, which in a criminal matter, if you're insane, you can't be held responsible for criminal actions. But so here, unfortunately for Miss Jordan, there was enough evidence of forewarning to support the jury's verdict. Uh, although the psychiatrist that was treating her, uh, that's probably a little telling right there, um, said that she had no forewarning. Testimony of friends indicated that she previously had similar delusions uh, interspersed with periods of normalcy. So the... Uh, the Brunig uh, claim was upheld and damages were awarded. God told her to do it. Where have we heard that before? Next, we have Miss Jenner, who um, made her entrance into the Hammond Tree uh, bicycle shop. And in this case, the result was different. The result was different. This is the woman who not only was on medication to control her seizures, but she actually did what she was supposed to do in order to be able to keep a valid driver's license with conditions the Department of Motor Vehicles there out in California uh, set forward for her. The requirement that she see a doctor every six months and that the doctor confirm that the medications are controlling her seizures. In this particular case, the uh, uh, automobile insurance for Ms. Jenner did not have to pay because she was determined not to be uh, legally responsible for causing the damage and the injuries that, you know, her, her seizure uh, resulted in uh, hurting the, the Hammond tree bicycle shop and Miss Hammond tree. So you say to yourself, well, that's not fair. You know, what do we do in a case like this? And the answer is that Hopefully, there's other sources of insurance. So I want to discuss this just briefly, what the Hammond trees ended up doing and what would happen in a normal case if this was, say, someone else was, say, stopped at a red light and Miss Jenner, who then had this seizure, rear-ended them and hurt them vehicle to vehicle. The Hammond trees had insurance on their bicycle shop, and they were able to use that insurance under a theory of uh, what we call uninsured motorist, uninsured motorist. So it's not exactly that claim with the 
uh, insurance on the property, but it's the same concept. And the uninsured motorist in everybody's uh, automobile insurance policy says that if someone causes an accident or an injury and they don't have insurance, then you can use your own automobile insurance and your insurance will cover just as if it was the at-fault party's insurer. I've had so many people, if I could have a dime for every time somebody came in and said, no, I don't want to use my own insurance. I don't want my premiums to go up. I don't want them to cancel my policy. It's not my fault. Why should my insurance have to pay? The short answer is that you pay premiums for your insurance. You pay to have benefits in case something bad happens. You get to have the benefit of the coverage and the insurance company cannot raise your premium. They cannot increase that amount that you pay for that coverage and they cannot cancel you. I tell the clients who come to me with this concern that think about it like a movie theater uh, ticket. When you go to the movie theater, and by the way, aren't the prices getting ridiculously high now just to go watch a movie? You could probably watch it at home for a lot cheaper. All right. But you go to the movie theater and you buy a ticket. I don't know. What is it? $12, $15 to go in. And you go inside and then you find your seat. And all of a sudden somebody taps you on the shoulder and they say, wait a minute, you can't sit down. That's extra. You would look at them like they were crazy. You would say, no, I bought a ticket. I can come in and watch the movie. That's what this ticket is for. I get the benefit of the price that I paid for admission into this building to watch the movie. No, I don't have to pay extra to sit down. And the same thing would apply if you wanted to go use the restroom facilities or if you wanted to stand in line and buy popcorn. They can't charge you extra to stand in line. They can't charge you extra to use the restroom facilities. So you get the benefits of your auto insurance policy when you pay the premiums. And one of the things that's in that policy is coverage for people that don't have insurance and hurt you. Now, there's a corollary to the uninsured motorist provisions in automobile insurance policies, and that is something called underinsured. So let's say the at-fault party did have insurance, but it wasn't enough. If you have coverage that exceeds the financial amount of the one at fault, then you can use that from your own insurance coverage. Again, nothing negative happens. So this is exactly what happened here for the Hammond Trees. They used their own insurance and they got coverage. They got everything resolved. Now, the Hammond Trees, if we can go back to the analogous situation, and it's not something that Ms. Jenner wasn't going to be determined to be legally responsible uh, for, as is the case here, she wasn't legally responsible for having the seizure, Let's just say that she went, went through the, the store, damaged all the bicycles, the front door, the window, all that, and hurt Mrs. Hammontree, but she just simply didn't have car insurance. Well, in a case like that, the Hammontree's own insurance, again, under un, uninsured motorist principles and coverages, would pay the Hammontrees, so they're going to be made whole, theoretically, Nobody ever is made whole when they get hurt. You'd rather not have the insurance and not get hurt. But then the Hammontree's insurance company can go after Miss Jenner. So she doesn't get off scot-free. They can pursue a judgment against her and try and take it directly from her assets if she has any. 
All right, I want to get to the third case. The third case was the case of the four people in the car. The driver flips the car, and uh, the uh, claim against the backseat passenger sitting behind him is that uh, he was negligent, reckless, speeding, doing all kinds of things he shouldn't be done doing, and that's why the car flips over. In this particular situation, I shared that it was maybe a he said, she said. The court ultimately decided that the testimony of the plaintiff, the one who got hurt, was that he heard the guy, the driver, say that I don't feel well and that he kept driving. The other side is that the plaintiff didn't see the driver because he was behind him. The defendant's wife, the driver's wife sitting next to him, everybody agrees, they all are in in agreement, said I don't feel well. And her testimony was that then she saw him not out, faint. And there was no disputing that testimony because the guy behind him, the passenger, the plaintiff who got hurt, couldn't say that he absolutely didn't see him, yes or no, faint, just simply that he just kept driving. So in this case, the claim was denied. The claim was denied. And the passenger did not recover. Driving an automobile is a dangerous thing. And the thing that occurs to me with all of this type of stuff that I see this every single day in my law practice is that the answer to the potential for injury is having enough insurance. I get people who come in and they have really bad insurance and the other people that caused the accident had bad insurance or no insurance. And I say to them, you know, you need to go to your insurance agent and get good insurance. And, and so what is good insurance? You could be driving the most old, mangly, beat up looking, ugly car, and you still want to have good insurance that protects you. It's called liability insurance. It has nothing to do with the car. If the car gets mangled and banged up, okay, you know, cars are metal, rubber, and plastic, and they can be replaced. But you and your body cannot, and particularly if you get hurt badly and you need medical care, and let's say that in today's world, a lot of people don't have health insurance, which is very upsetting, of course, to begin with, but you want to be able to rely on that insurance money to pay for medical care that might be needed. So when you go out into the world and you get automobile insurance, I recommend that you get at least $100,000 of liability insurance coverage and the same amount for uninsured and underinsured motorist coverage in case, again, the other guy doesn't have insurance, so you can use yours. You can even consider getting more than $100,000. What your insurance agents aren't going to tell you is that the differential in premiums between bad insurance, maybe $25,000 or $30,000 or $50,000 in liability, and the 100000 is realistically only pennies. It's not much more. So if you have 50000 and you're thinking of doubling your coverage to 100000 you're not going to pay double your premium. You're going to pay maybe 5% or 10% more. Go get a half a million dollars in coverages on these. I'm a nervous guy because of what I do with respect to injuries and car accidents, and I have $1 million worth of coverage. I remember when my daughter's were first getting their licenses and I got a million dollars in coverage for them and they hardly knew that. But as they got older and now they're starting to pay for their own stuff, it's like, dad, why do I have to have this insurance? It's too much. I don't want to have to spend that much on the premiums. 
And my answer is, hey, this is for your protection. I hope you never need it. So I want all of you to take my comments and consider them in the world of the legal and the merry-go-round, the ups and the downs. Please make sure that you avoid the downs and you savor the ups. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Legal Merry-Go-Round. We hope you enjoyed our show. Tune in next time to get a better understanding of real-life legal situations.